I told John he's singing my favorite song of all time, and I hope I hold it together. And so we praise God for uh, what he's doing. Hey, guys, we have a phenomenal, phenomenal team at Olive. Let's just show some appreciation for what God is doing in the college. Disaster relief. Let's give some praise in the house of God. You know, we had the storms come through. We have uh, our Olive disaster relief teams are out there serving, and there'll be multiple teams going uh, as the days uh, uh, come by. And so we just thank God for the great response and responsibility that God has given us the privilege of being a part of. If you have a copy of God's Word, let's go to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. If you're watching online, uh, you are driving somewhere, keep your eyes on the road. Uh, but if you are in a comfortable place, get a copy of God's Word, and uh, let's turn, turn to Psalm 42. This is a hard, hard psalm to preach and uh, for what I'm going through personally, but it's just like a, a quiet time with a bigger audience. That's what I like to say. And so I pray today we'll find great comfort from God's Word. Psalm 42, uh, and I'll read the psalm and we'll hear what God has for us. And the Bible reads, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all day long, where is your God? And these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, and the roar of your waterfalls, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now this is a very interesting psalm. Many commentators, many preachers write, and preach that the psalmist is in depression. And I heard many messages on depression. But today, as we look at the psalm, the sons of Korah wrote the psalm. And if you look at the title and the heading of the psalm, you might see the names, and it, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Who are the sons of Korah? And so let me quickly give you an understanding who are the sons of Korah, who penned this. The sons of Korah were, fam, were from the family of Kohath. 
in the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 16, Korah and about 250 people led a rebellion against Aaron and against Moses. They, read, they led a rebellion against Aaron and questioned his priesthood. They also led a rebellion towards Moses and questions his authority. As punishment to those who rebelled against God's servants, the Bible teaches us in the book of Numbers that God caused the earth to give way and they vanished. Korah and his 250, you know when someone complains, he always have other people complaining with him. They come up against God's anointed servants. About 250 people, the earth gave way and they got swallowed up. In Numbers chapter 26 and verse number 9 to 11, the sons of Korah remained. Perhaps in David's time, they served in the musical department. <laughs> Perhaps they were so grateful to be alive that they know better not to complain and come up against God, but rather to lead people towards worshiping God. So, so I think John and, and Caitlin and Jamie and the whole choir, they are kin to Korah. That's why they do such a fantastic job in leading us in worship. John's job is not to lead us in worship. Jesus called us to lead us in worship. John's job is to bring order to worship. And you lead us so well. Thank you so much. Let's give some appreciation because he's one of my dear friends. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want it. He wins everything he participates in. He doesn't need it. But anyway, he's a dear friend. Thank you so much for leading us to the right place of worship. So in the Old Testament, the sons of Korah were worship leaders. And back in the day, if you were worship leading in the temple days, you wore some nice outfits and uniforms. So when people knew, oh, you guys are platform people. You guys are on the stage. The rest of us make a joyful noise, but you guys, you are on the stage. You're supposed to have a close relationship with God. So the sons of Korah, the Bible records for us, wrote 11 psalms. And these 11 Psalms, when I read them very briefly to you, it'll move your soul. And now you know the story behind who wrote these Psalms. Psalm 42, Psalm 44, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49, 84, 85, 87, 88. Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 is like a one Psalm, but we have time only to talk about 42. Listen to a few of the Psalms that the sons of Korah wrote, and you will say, oh, wow, that, that Psalm really sticks to my, to my mind. Psalm 46, verse number 1 to verse number 4. God is our refuge and strength, a, present, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way. Uh-huh. Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Sons of Korah. That same psalm, Psalm 46 and verse number 10. Be still and know that I am God. Sons of Korah. Psalm 84 and verse number 10. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Sons of Korah. Psalm 85 and verse number 6. 
Will you not revive us again that your people will rejoice in you? Sons of Korah. But in this context, the sons of Korah find themselves in a very dry place. I don't know what circumstances drove them to this dry place, but they are in a very dry place. And today, what I'm going to talk about, a call to worship from the sons of Korah. The sons of Korah find themselves in a difficult place, and they are longing for corporate worship. They are longing to come back to be in the house of God with the people of God. In the Old Testament, the house of God resembled the presence of God. And the people of God were the chosen people of God to worship the living God. And the sons of Korah find themselves in a distant place. Oh, they miss being in the community of people who followed God. And they write, and the first thing we look at, a longing for corporate worship. Psalm 42, verse number 1. As the deer pants for flowing waters, so pants my soul for you, O God. He's, not, he's thirsty, but he does not want water. He's thirsty, he wants God. As a deer, because of its life dependent on water, especially when being pressed by predators and hunters, the deer is running for his life, and, and he's thirsty. And the psalmist saying, I'm in a dry place. I knew what it was to be in the house of God. I don't know how I got here, but man, I wish I was in the house of God. Amen? How many of you find yourself in a dry place today? How many of you, you find yourself in a distant place today where you look from afar and you're like, man, I wish I could just go back to the house of God, but I feel ashamed. I feel not worthy. I feel lonely. I feel like everyone is against me. Guys, Jesus came to bring you home. Jesus came to bring you home. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus Christ came to bring you home. And if you are that person today, I pray that you will never leave the house of God until you meet with God. You see, we came here to meet a person. His name is Jesus, and to be with his people, we call the church. This building is nice, but it's not everything. You came here to meet with a person and with a people. His name is Jesus, and we are called the church. And the sons of Korah, the very same guys who wrote, Be still and know that I am God, is hurting. These very same guys who knew all about the living God find themselves in a dry place. So the psalmist is writing, and he's being downcast. And the Bible records for us that it mentions Mount Mazar. Mount Mazar and Mount Hermon are geographical boundaries of Jerusalem. So they are even outside the city limits in a distant land. And they are there and they're, and they're wondering, what's the sense of being back in the house of God? How, how I long to be in the house of God. And the first thing we see is a grief in being distant from God. A grief 
in being distant from God. You know, when you're far away from God, you, there's something inside of you that's missing. It's something inside of you is hollow. The Bible records, he fed on his grief. My tears have been my food. His weeping was as regular as his eating. Let's go further. I think his weeping outnumbered his eating. How many of you, sometimes you find yourself in a dry place? You used to be in church. You used to be connected with community. And all of a sudden, you don't know how, you find yourself struggling to worship. And you find yourself in a dry place. And you find yourself so alone, so betrayed, so ashamed. And the psalmist is writing the sons of Korah, but he calls us even in his distant, dry, and parched land, he calls us to worship. Anything you do in life that God has called you will flow through worship. You want to be a, have a successful marriage? It flows through worship. You want to have a successful business? It flows through worship. Anything you want to do, be a missionary in a foreign land, it flows through worship. God calls his people to worship him. After that, he calls you to lead from a posture of worship. Giving your tithes and offering is a posture of worship. And so when you look at, you know what, my tears have been my food. I'm crying more than I'm eating. In verse number two, hunger and thirst are familiar images of, of, of uh, of satisfaction. The essentials to our physical life is water and food. He said, I'm in a dry place. Yes, I'm thirsty. Don't give me water. Yes, I'm hungry. Don't give me food. Because in verse number four, without worship, the psalmist's life is meaningless. Without worship, guys, I don't think, from my knowledge, any one of us can go without water or food in the context where we live here. You make it. But I'll be honest to tell you, without worship, you won't make it. So Psalm is, is writing, the psalmist is writing, and he's saying, oh, I long to be with his people again. Oh, I long to be in the house of God again. Oh, I long. My soul is hurting. I don't know how I made it. And I'm so drifted away that I'm really missing the house of God. Walter Brueggemann said, and I quote, the church isn't the happiest place in town, but rather the most honest place in town. Yes, we find our joy in Jesus, but that joy only comes from Jesus if we are honest with Jesus. And when you are honest with Jesus, you bring your worship and you bring it and lay it before him and ask him, God, here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you are my God. And if you are watching online and you think, you know, gathering of believers, come, be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Because your giftedness is going to help me, and my giftedness is going to help you. That's how the body works. 
And the sons of Korah is, is a place of grief and being distant from God. Oh, how I long to be with God's people singing. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, I long to be there. I never thought the sons of Korah wrote this and same guys wrote, be still and know that I'm God. I mean, that's my to-go verse. But the dudes who wrote that to-go verse, they were broken dudes. And don't pretend that brokenness don't come to our address. It sure does stop at our doorstep. And brokenness comes. Are we hungry for God? The church isn't the happiest place in town. The, place, the church is the most honest place in town. So people can come with a brokenness, come to King Jesus. And so I don't know what happened to these guys, the sons of Korah, but they wandered away. And when they came and they were lost, I'm like, wow, we actually left the zip code. I mean, they were past Shumakla, you know what I'm saying? They were way out there. And they're like, man, I, what would it take for me to go back? I mean, I'm telling you, don't let shame keep you away from the house of God. Don't let brokenness, don't let pain, don't let anything keep you away from the house of God. Because here are some symptoms. You may be lost and wandering like the sons of Korah, hiding in a dry place with a broken heart. Here are some of the symptoms of those who are lost and wandering, and I'm speaking to myself as I read this. The first symptom of lost and wandering, this first symptom of a wandering Christ follower is homesickness. Homesickness. You know, many of us, we, we don't do well when we are far away from home. <laughs> That's an amen. I'll take that. We, we, we don't do well when we are far away from home. Look at what verse number two says. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I appear before God? When shall I go back home? I'm tired of being among strangers. I want to be home. I met so many people in the city, and they ask, so Sean, what do you do? So I tell them what they do. They get shocked. They get over that. I'm like, okay. So they tell me, well, hey, I, I've been at Olive. I've been there. Oh, I used to be involved in worship. I used to. I'm like, what happened? Well, you know, that was a season of my life. Uh, I read John chapter 3 and verse number 16, for God so loved, and it ends with eternal life. It doesn't end with seasons of your life. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I don't think God said, okay, I don't need you anymore, so go back to wandering. Are you homesick? Do you feel something if you're not a part of God's family? You feel something missing? Because God's people in the Old Testament waited until his presence became flesh. And the Bible teaches us the word became flesh and Christ dwelt amongst his people. Do you miss being with God's people? Do you miss being in the house of God, singing praises to his name, giving to his work? Excited to reach the nations? Right now we have a team in Moldova. Aren't you excited to be a part of a body that's changing lives all over the world? I mean, on Friday night, we all went out for dinner. 
There were two pastoral staff members. I won't mention the names. I was there. I won't mention the other. And he had two deacons. I won't mention their names. Their daughter, who's in the service sitting here today, shared Christ with our server. I was hungry, okay? And uh, yeah, anyway, she was sharing Christ and praying for our server. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church where our teenagers are leading the line? Aren't you glad to be a part of the church? We have young adults on fire for Christ. Come back home. Now, listen, I know home has problems. Every family union has problems. Don't pretend that we don't have problems. But we are better together. And the psalmist is saying, oh, I long to come back to my pew. Oh, how I long to come back. He's, he's not worried about the differences. He's worried about the commonality. Dear friend, come back home. Come back home. You may be here. There's many of us, we hover in the palace, but we never talk to the prince. You are here, but you're not really here. Today, talk to the prince. He's a prince of peace. His name is Jesus. And may gathering like this change your life. So the first thing we see is longing to be back with his people. He's homesick. Number two, we find cultural voices. Cultural voices. Look at what verse number three says. Hey, where is your God? Verse number 10, hey, where is your God? Aren't you sick and tired about cultural voices taunting us all the time? I mean, I can only imagine what the sons of Korah are going through with all the people around him in the dry place. Hey, where's your God now? You just sing about him. Where's he now? I look back at the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, those three guys, Sanballat, Geshem, and Tobias, they were like, na 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 and But Nehemiah still built the wall. Church of the living God. We gave too much of our attention and energy to the cultural voice of this world. It's time to turn our attention to the voice of Christ. Oh, I, oh they told us we can't pray anymore. Did Jesus say that? Why do you pay attention to any? Because culture will disqualify you. Christ will qualify you. And only what Christ says matters. So you could be in a distant land today, wandering, and you're feeling bad to come by because everyone's throwing insults at you. It's like, man, I've, I've tried church, I left church, I tried church, I left church. Okay, I get it. Try Jesus. Imagine being a member of the First Baptist Church of Israel. They are making fully devoted followers of Jesus in the wilderness. Imagine God leading and guiding. And you're seeing the faithfulness of God in real, tangible ways. I mean, you don't have to cast a net. The sea has parted. You can pick a mullet. I mean, how can you forget that? Or catfish. I don't know. <laughs> I, I was studying the book of Exodus... Philip Riken, in his commentary on Exodus, was quoting Claire Davis, and this is what he says, I quote, the Christian life is a combination of amnesia and deja vu. <laughs> 
Amnesia, it's like a loss of memories. You don't know that I can do this for you? Deja vu, like an uncanny sensation. You've already experienced something, even when you know you never have. How many times do you want that cycle of running away from God and coming back to God? Running away from God, coming back to God. Don't listen to the cultural voices of our day. Listen to Jesus. And so you, where, where, where's your God? You used to lead everyone. Where's your God now? Jesus is calling you home. Come worship him. Come running. The psalmist writes, let us rejoice when they say, let us go to the house of God. Come running. Come worshiping. Come praising. Because the psalmist is writing and he's saying, hey, homesickness and cultural voices. And number three, you look in verse number seven, there's trials. Yes, there's trials. I don't know why James ever said, count it all joy. I mean, seriously? That sinking feeling of trials, that is like way over my head. Look at what verse number seven says. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at your breakers and the waves have gone over me. This dude is in a dry place. He's writing about waves going over him. I think he's writing from the, the waterfalls rushing from Mount Hermon. Do you want to let trials keep you away from the king of kings and lord of lords? Or you want to give the trials before the king for you to see something amazing happen? I want to see something amazing happen. Amen? I'm on that side of the team. Because I will worship, and let me tell you, even if God does not bless me one iota ever again, he did enough. So don't let your trials... I know it's bleeding. Don't let your trials hold you back from worshiping Jesus. John doesn't need to tell us to clap. John doesn't need us to tell us to smile. Jesus asked us to do that. I was reading Dane Ortland. This is what he says about trials from this text. I quote, you begin to feel the waves coming against you. First your ankles, then your knees, and so on. And as you continue further into the water, eventually a wave comes that cannot be outjumped. It washes you over. You are now submerged and completely terrified. What is someone who profess faith in Christ do uh, to do when these waves of life wash over him? Will his faith prove to be genuine? Or will he spurn Christ and rush towards the false harbors of this world. At such a moment of trial, we are forced into one of two positions, either cynicism and coldness of heart or true depth and worship of God. Jesus has a track record, and I'm counting in my hand. Jesus never fails. Three words. I told my team this morning, I've been through physical pain, deal with it, God came through. Dealt with financial pain, God came through big time. Dealt with every kind of pain. Hear me, friends. Emotional pain, 
never been there before. But I'm taking my emotional pain to Jesus. No one sees it. But it's there. Don't let your emotional pain rob you of the joy of worshiping King Jesus. Do you know what Psalm 3 is? For thou, O Lord, a shield for me. I don't know. I know we got family issues. David's son, Absalom, is after him to kill him. You're talking about pain in a family? They are surrounded him. But David is crying out, For thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You are the lifter of my head. And that is why that psalm is in the book. Because even in emotional and betrayal, pain, you can lift your head to Jesus and he's ready to meet you. And he says in the scripture, I call to my rock. Our Jesus is a rock. Pastor went on sabbatical a couple years ago. When he came back, I'm like, so what did God speak? He said, Sean, there's honey in the rock. There's, there's sweetness in the rock, but not only the satisfaction in the rock, the stone the builders rejected became our chief cornerstone. We have rejected our cornerstone. And let me just read something to you, move you, move me. In 1906, when Maximilian Colbert was just 12 years old, he had a vision which shaped the rest of his life. Listen to the students. In it, it was offered two crowns, one red and the other white in his vision. The white one meant that I should persevere in purity, said Maximilian, and the red that I should become a martyr. I said that I would accept both of them, said Maximilian. So Max previously wanted to become a soldier with the Polish army. But the, but the vision led him to join the Franciscan uh, Noviet at the age of 16. He was ordained in 1910 and immediately began to reach out to others so that they could encounter the love of God. Along with a small group of friars, he founded a monastery near Warsaw, Poland, which they used as a base for evangelism. They made good use of modern communications technology, including printed media and radio. And they had plans to build a, 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 a film studio. And because of their evangelistic activity, nearly 1,000 people joined them over the next 10 years, both in Warsaw and in another monastery that they set up in Nagasaki, Japan. Second World War started in 1939, and Warsaw was captured by the Nazis. Because of his German father, Maximilian was asked to sign a register which would have given him rights and protection, but he refused. Instead, he got his few of his friars who had not fled, provided shelter for Polish refugees, and hid around 2,000 Jews. The Nazis eventually closed the monastery down and arrested the friars in, 19, in February 1941. And Maximilian was sent to Auschwitz. A few weeks after his arrival, 
10 men from Maximilian's barracks were chosen to be starved to death as an example to others in the camp. And when Maximilian heard that one of the men cried out for his family, he volunteered to take that man's place. A young, very young Maximilian ministered to the other nine men as they all suffered extreme starvation and dehydration. After three weeks, only Maximilian and two others were still alive. So the Nazis decided to kill them with lethal injections. On that day, the 14th of August, 1941, Maximilian Colbert received the red crown of martyrdom that he has seen in his vision 35 years ago. Why don't we hear stories like that these days? Because the church of the living God gave in to trials. Because the church of the living God said, hey, you know what, that's too hard for me. Because the church of the living God gave in to, where's your God? And number four, in symptoms of a wandering Christian, doubt. Look at what verse number nine says. Verse number nine says, I say to my rock, why have you forgotten me? Have you ever felt, Lord, did my prayer mail ever reach heaven's mailbox? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm laying it down here. I have a stamp of fasting and prayer on the label. Have you forgotten me? And the very psalmist who wrote Psalm 4610, to be still and know that I am God, he's saying, I feel homesick. I feel overrun by people all around me. I feel the waves over me like a trial. I feel like I'm doubting, but I'm not. And he calls us to worship. A broken worship leader calls us to worship, to rekindle what Christ has died and was raised for us to do. So I'm not talking about depression in this text. I'm talking about apathy of the local church. We've just gone lazy. It just set in for us and the temperature is so warm and we like it the way it is. You know what's vision? Vision is when Jesus said, and you will be my witnesses. I'm like, are you serious? They just killed a bunch of guys. In Jerusalem, Judeans, uttermost parts of the earth, Jesus gave us a vision that the hair on our neck is still standing. And the church of Jesus Christ are failing to worship God. Our response to the lostness of the world is beginning with worship. If you can't worship the God we know, how are we going to display to the world who don't know? And so what happens? I believe, John chapter 10 and verse number 10, the thief comes to lie, to cheat, and to destroy. I have come to have, give life. I believe that thief is a thief of passion. 
I believe it's a thief of emotions. It's a thief of, 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 of vision. I believe it's a, team, it's a thief of great ideas. But it's never too late to cultivate the life that you were given to live for Jesus. It's not too late. Come on home. It's not too late. It's not too late. I look all around me. Where's your God? I'll show you. I'm making my way home. And God is diligently working behind the scenes to heal your pain. Because let me tell you guys, I know we are in pain right now. Because that same God whose life is also resurrection. Our God is a God of resurrection. And he brings to life what is once dead. I want to worship that Jesus. So maybe, maybe. The scripture says, let your light so shine before all men. You can only let your light so shine by the giftedness that he has blessed you. I know time is gone, right? But the giftedness he has blessed you. Maybe God has given you a vision. Maybe God has given you an idea, given you a family. And guess what? It started off really strong. Yes, God, I'm going to be committed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go all the way. It suddenly became incredibly hard. He got blindsided by pain in our family. He got blindsided by chaos at work. Someone in your small group said something bad to you. And one time you were so excited and thrilled for Jesus. And that passion just went slowly down. And you figured, hey, you know what? I'm just take a seat. I mean, I tried. I showed up. I just, you know, I don't know. I'm not even sure God has called me. This pain is too heavy to bear. Yeah, you know, just relax. <laughs> I mean, the people down the road, they'll reach my neighbor. That guy at work, he doesn't need to be in heaven. He needs to go to hell. <laughs> so, I like it here, you know? I think the company who made this chair got the name from Christians. You know what's the name of this chair? Lazy boy. Well, someone will call people to the nations and they can reach the world for Jesus. I'm just too hurt. Hey, the sermon's not over, okay? I'm just... You think Jesus died for you to do that? You think it's a burden to reach our city for Jesus? Or do you think it's a privilege that God would choose you? So I'm asking you today. The sons of Korah knew the theology. PhD. They had the uniform. But people who know the theology and serve God all their lives also get hurt. And if you've never experienced that before, 
you feel like, I, I don't know what they're so grumpy about because you don't know. I'm asking you to love those to the cross, those are hurting. When we become a healthy place, Pensacola has a better opportunity of bowing to King Jesus. If you're a staff member and you had all those great ideas, yes, we're going to do this, and slowly the enemy, I'm just telling you right now, fan into flame what God has called you. If you're a leader, connection group leader, if you're a Christ follower, don't let Satan rob you of your joy because Jesus died for it for you to have it. You know how many of us in this room have unfinished tasks? God gave you a vision and somebody blew your flamer down. God gave you a plan to reach and that passion you had and no one supported you. Please send me an email. We'll do it together. I'm like Home Depot. You can do it, I can help. We can do it together. <laughs> I'm so sad and sick and tired of we evangelical Christians fight for our right theology from our lazy boy chairs. The more you know God, the further you reach out for Him. And be sure of this, that what God has given you, a vision, He will take it to the day of completion. Because He is Jesus. Come, John, come play for us. And I pray today that you remember these words. Paul told us to Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 and verse number 8. He said, Paul, he said, Timothy, of all the things that I told you, remember Jesus Christ. I'm asking you today, I was very transparent with you. Can I ask the church to please rise and answer the king's voice, the king's call? Say, Lord, here am I. There's no pain in this world will keep me from singing your praise. And there's many of you called in this room. Stop, stop, and ask God today to bring refreshment over your life. I'm talking to my wife and I too. Don't let apathy set in. Because Church of Jesus Christ, a mobilized church is the hope of the world. On Wednesday, first Wednesday, we're starting first Wednesday mobilized. We want you to come and join us, myself, Tim, and Harlan. We're going to come and bring resources and ideas how we can reach our city. Join us Wednesday, 6 o'clock, first Wednesday. But as many who are hurting, I wish you could stand here and look at this room. Don't leave without you meeting with Jesus. Come on home from your dry place. Those who are bruised, those who are hurting, Jesus never fails.